This week's episode is brought to you by bandages, painkillers, and that magic freezy spray soccer teams use. Someone, please, get healthy. Thanks in advance. Sackick fakes it, takes it, scores! Joe Sackick! What a brilliant goal by Nathan McKay! And after 22 years, Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph, and you're locked into Burgundy Radio for February 5th, or 6th, whenever, 2018. Coming up on the show, I get carried because I haven't been able to pay much attention this week, but the Avalanche are missing some hella key pieces carrying them. We put together an impromptu makeup show to talk about who and what the ramifications will be with Earl. Hi, Earl. How's it going, eh? And, okay. And with Tiger Vixen, what's up, Jackie? Good evening. So, uh, here it goes. A quick recap of the week. Avs draw the Vancouver Canucks 4-3 in overtime, with Gabe Landeskog scoring twice and JT Comfer adding the other. But none of that mattered, because this was the game that saw Nathan McKinnon go down to a shoulder injury. And last I heard, two to four weeks was the time frame on that one. Is that still true? Yes. I, yeah. I haven't been lied to? I was lied to once. We've all been lied to. It hurts. Then on Thursday, Avs win in overtime, 4-3 over the Edmonton Oilers, with scoring from the blue line from Nikita Zadorov and Samuel Girard. Blake Kummel also scored for the Avs, and the OT winner came from JT Comfer, 8-7-7 goal now. Finally, on Saturday, Avs fall 3-0 to the Winnipeg Jets in Simeon Varlamov's return start. He put up a 9-3-5 save percentage and got absolutely nothing in support. Sorry, Varley. So that's the Canada trip. Three points in three games is something, I guess. I'd say with McKinnon out for two and a half of those games, that three three points isn't terrible. I mean, and you know, given what they're trying to do in the standings, it's not great. But um, you know, they had to learn a lot this week. Let's say. Yeah, I'd say splitting on the road is is what you hope for, or at least minimum. So they did that. The way the games unfolded, it does kind of feel like. Maybe they left some points out there. They should have beat Vancouver. They should have beat Edmonton in regulation. And that was just a tough game against Winnipeg, who's, I think they've only lost three times at home. So I don't really think you can be too disappointed with that one. But yeah, at the end of the day, it was, it wasn't a bad stretch for their middle third of the humongous road trip. At the, the, the end of the Edmonton game, they really seemed to shell up, and when they finally gave up the tying goal, it was like, well, what were you expecting? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, if that had been, uh, you know, like an Anaheim or a Calgary, which were directly competing for, <clears throat> you know, a, a wild card slot, that, that, that would have really sat poorly with me, but hey, it's Edmonton, so who cares? Um, I, I thought the Vancouver loss... You know, that was bad, but again, given that halfway through the game you lose your star player and you have to mix up the lineup, um, you can see it being a little out of sorts, uh, but that's that was still not real crisp. And as far as Winnipeg goes, we've beaten them twice at the Pepsi Center, so losing to them up in Winnipeg is, is not a huge surprise. And they honestly, they controlled the game pretty well for almost half of it so um you know the, the only the only thing i'm i'm kind of worried about there is they they got shut out which you just you worry about them being able to score with mac out and uh, against a, a good team they couldn't and mckinnon plus out should we uh start going down who the all these names are yeah so name number one is nathan mckinnon shoulder-ish two to four weeks from almost a week ago. So we're about one to three weeks at this point, which means, you know, I mean, you got to assume three to four just to be safe. Um, next on the list. He, he was skating today, so maybe they weren't lying to us. I don't know. He skated. So, yeah. Did he do any drills? Did he do anything with his hands? No, but I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't expect that one week after, you know, yeah. One week after a shoulder injury, the fact that he's skating to me is promising. Um, you know, I still I don't think he's going to be back in a week, but you know, the fact that we could see him at all, you know, seems more likely now. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll, we'll look agree, ahead yeah. at next week soon and try to figure out which game he might target. 
I I agree it's a good sign that he was even skating, which obviously you can do with an upper body injury, but Barry was off the ice for several weeks when he had his upper body injury. So I think like if, if someone's like a month out, they're just not going to bother putting him on the ice. So I do feel like it was a little bit of an optimistic sign where at least you can feel like the range that they gave was more true rather than it really being like four plus weeks. So a little bit of optimism there at least. So you find out a lot about your team when they're forced to play without their best player, without their star, without their number one center. And I think one of the things we learned is that Alexander Kerfoot is not Nathan McKinnon. No, he's not. And when you put, I mean, when you put anyone in that slot, they're never going to be able to do what he, what McKinnon does. But I, I do think that Kerfoot is a is a good guy, a good candidate for taking that role. I know it's not what um, you meant, but ha. <laughs> <laughs> he's a good uh, guy, though. He is a good guy. You know, he went to Harvard four years. He's smart, good-looking guy. You know, but you got the whole world against him. You know. Yeah, for for everyone that's left on the roster that could possibly take that spot, um, he's fourth in scoring and his points per sixty is higher than anyone else you could probably look at for that job. So uh, the the only downside is that he does not shoot the puck very often, although he is efficient when he does, and that's that's sort of a big change. That sort of forces Miko and Landy to have to be. A little bit more on the shooting side um so that's just something they're gonna have to work through as a team i feel like it really has only been two games so jury's still pretty much out on that but i feel like he did all right i i don't feel like it was holding the line back i mean we we've seen on the road that the top line doesn't always contribute so i wouldn't say that that it's just completely gone cold with him there and um, Bender said something interesting in the presser today about Kerfoot being more of kind of like a give and go kind of guy and and uh, when you play with him you have to be ready to receive a pass even if you don't think you're getting one which I thought was an interesting comment since uh, we kind of noticed that it was interesting <laughs> to hear that from the coach <laughs> and yeah and, and that McKinnon is more of like a, a driver you know he's he pushes the pace with the skating, you know, and we all know these things. So I, I did think it was kind of interesting to think about it, not so much in the talent level, experience level, et cetera, but also in kind of the contrast in styles. Yeah. It's just, it's something you have to get used to. Um, it's, you know, it, again, anything that you're going to put as far as a new center into that role it's going to be something different. I mean, you hear people that, that want to look at, at other guys, maybe, you know, already after two games, which is kind of silly, but, um, you know, putting Joster Comfer in there perhaps. And, and those guys do have their, you know, th- they do have different things they can bring. Like both those guys generate shots at a much higher level than Kerfoot does, but they don't generate anywhere near the amount of points. Um, so, you know, I, that doesn't excite me that much. Something that might excite me maybe about Comfer is that he's a little more defensively responsible, and that might get them more ice time since it seems that they, that line is, is sort of the second line now, and they've been using Carl's line a little bit more. Uh, which <laughs> yeah, I think that's a bit of a mistake. Not a big fan of, really. And Welcome I, to I, the top I, line, I'm, Matt Nieto. Yeah, and, and I have an article. I have an article coming out on Tuesday about sort of how this is working out, and, and they might want to rethink overplaying the Soderberg line a little bit. But I don't um, think they've been over fifty percent since they started the road swing. So I mean, back to Toronto, which you know they're not going to be. In some games, they were in the forties, high forties. So it's not like it, it was terrible, but they basically haven't won a matchup in like over two weeks. So that should be something that you kind of need to sit down and think about that. The other team is trying to play their better players against the Soderbergh line. 
Like, uh, we've been saying it on this podcast for weeks that I, I think they're over-relying on it too much. And I understand the reason why they do. They like the veteran line, but it's just, I don't think it's something that you can hold on to forever. And with, with the injuries and things, I'm, I almost, I wouldn't say I don't mind it. I mean, it, we're, we're starting to like pile guys up, but it's interesting just from the standpoint of what can they do with some different lines, but yet that one's not changing. So it kind of, <laughs> well, it's it's just, kind it, of it, it looks like to me, like when they overuse that line, their offense goes way out the window. Um, you know, it's just – I don't mind them as a shutdown line. I, I think if you want them to take tough matchups, that's fine. But you can't say, all right, you're going to take tough matchups and we're going to give you the most minutes so we expect you to produce offensively. I mean, that's just – that's asking way too much of that group of guys. You can do – you know, you can have them be the shutdown line or you can maybe ask them to, to produce more offensively than they ever have before. Um yeah, that's that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, but asking them to do both is just—I mean, that's you know—it's—it's it's not fair to them, and it's not fair to you know the the rest of the team if you're trying to win games. Because there's one offensively minded player on that line, and it's Carl Soderberg, who has scored more than 13 goals exactly once. Yeah, he's been a 30 assist player three times. But yeah. he kind of needs someone else on his line who's going to score goals to actually produce offense. And right now, he gets grindy goals out of uh, Blake Como. And occasionally, you you get like really clever passing setups out of Matt Nieto. But he's not much of a scorer himself either, unless the net's empty. But Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you, you look at something like expected goals for and like, you know, Carl's decent. Carl is a, is a good offensive generator but you know como and nieto um you know they're 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 a big downgrade on let's say miko and gabe so como's got this this weird little mindset where he doesn't like scoring at five on five it's too easy he he's not gonna score unless you're on a penalty kill he he only wants to score in hard mode for some reason yeah um you know i I I just I I think they've you know I don't know if they're trying to give them eighteen minutes a night and and give fifteen only to the Kerfoot line, but um they they should really try not doing that. Yeah, I, th- I think especially if Miko if Miko's really out or if he's out for several games, I I think that might be the time that. We all you don't cry. have a top line anymore <laughs> at that point. So, Ooh, yeah. baby. Spoiler yeah. alert, you, though. That's the second yeah. name on our list is Miko Rantanen is suddenly questionable for tomorrow. And, yeah, we yeah. don't really know what happened there. I, I think he took a high hit earlier in the week, but it definitely wasn't from the Jets game. So, Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I vaguely remember what you're talking about, but I can't put my finger on when it was either. Cause, but... Yeah, cause I remember McNabb saying, oh, my God, here goes Rantanen. I I almost want to say it was the Vancouver game because at that point you're just like, no, come on. Not like this. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that, I, I think it was just because I think it was after Mac got hurt and then something happened with Miko and he might have missed a shift or two or something. You're just like, what have we done to deserve this? Yeah, so it doesn't seem like it's a big deal. They considered him questionable, but it, it kind of seems like nobody's come back fast except for when Jost was out that one game. Other than that, nothing's been fast. So we'll see. But if you don't have Miko, you, you don't have a top line anymore. So I th- I think you really have to, I know you don't want to just roll out like four completely different lines, but I, I think you have to change your mindset at that point for yeah, sure. You're not going to have a choice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so Wilson I, was on that line today. So it'd be Wilson, Kerfoot, and Landeskog. Which, which, which I don't, I don't think it's a bad line. I don't know if I'd call that a top line, but they don't, they don't really have yeah. that anymore. That would be yeah, one of the, that'd be one of the best third lines in hockey. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we've seen Kerfoot and Wilson work well together. So, I mean, that's not bad. But again, it's, you know, <laughs> it's a bit of a downgrade. They've, they've got three third lines right now. Let me um, read out the practice practice lines that a uh, friend of the show, AJ Hayfley, noticed at practice today. Uh, Landis God, Kerfoot, Wilson, which is, like I said, an awesome third line. Uh, Nieto, Soderberg, Como, which has been one of the better third lines in the league this year. Joseph Comfer, Yakupov, which is a real boom and bust kind of middle line. And then you've got Greer, Toninato, and Bork, which is the ever-present avalanche island of misfit toys. Yeah. Basically, um, yeah. I mean, you're looking at Yakupov and Wilson as placeholders, you know... Uh, hopefully that's, and I guess Greer would technically would theoretically be one too. Um, you know, if it ends up that's that's what they roll out tomorrow night, then YOLO. I mean, let's have fun with it. But <laughs> as much as you can, I'm I guess. not looking for big things out of that lineup, really. <clears throat> I mean, it, it's not the worst thing that the result of all this get basically gets Greer and Tone and Otto in the lineup. I mean, we're not talking about like, you know, Joe Whitney here or anything like that. Like these are guys you want to see in the lineup, but um, yeah, you don't, you kind of have a bunch of third lines. Well, I, like just, I, I think one thing that we'd all like to see um, is like, obviously like, you know, you can't expect the first line whatever you want to call Kerfoot's line now. You can't expect that line... The Kerfoot line, let's call it the Kerfoot line. Okay, but you can't expect them to, you know, play it anywhere near the level that they did with McKinnon there. Um, So what I, you know, I think what we'd all like to see is sort of the Jost Comfer and and Wilson or whoever they put there. Sort of that line take up a little more slack than they have been so far this year. Um. Because I think they can. Um, just, you know, it's like Jost is, you know, problems shooting the puck into the goalie's midsection on breakaways, and that sticks in everyone's mind. But he actually shoots 10%, so that's not bad either. You know, and Jost has been a little bit underperforming as far as points, but we know that, you know, he probably has some upside capacity. I mean, if, if those guys got rolling a little bit in this week or two stretch without McKinnon, um, you know, that'd be really good to see, you know, for this year, but, but more for next year. Um, just knowing that those guys are able to produce at the NHL level. It would be great. I just wish they weren't trying to do it with Yakupov. Yeah. Nobody wants to see that. <laughs> I wish it would be like Soderbergh with Jostin Comfer. I think that could be an actual. Or even Greer, you know, second just, line. You know, yeah. if, you're, if your lineup's so screwed up that, that you're playing Wilson on the first line again, <laughs> why not put Greer there? What's the worst that could happen? He might do something good. I mean, <clears throat> I know everyone right. thinks he just wants right. to fight everybody, but I mean, he might actually, you put him with those two guys and he has some chemistry with them anyway. You know, that something good might happen out of it. That's true. Yeah, that's true. What, what could happen that's worse than having Yakupov there. And I don't exactly. think Yakupov, but it's like, what? Yeah, if you just want some someone to skate hard, forecheck, and shoot the puck whenever. Yeah, I mean, Greer you know, <laughs> I, I'm fine with Greer having to earn his ice time, but, you know, you, you put him in a situation like that, and you say, all right, you know, here, here's here's your tryout, you know, give it a go. And maybe he fits in really well there, and, and maybe he starts looking like we all know he really can play at the AHL level, and, and now he's you know, getting the opportunity to do it at the, the NHL level, and, and you know that's, and that's something we really need to see for next year. And he's had a few games like that. It's not like the AHL Greer is completely missing. It's just when it's happening in seven minutes a game, yep. what exactly do you expect the guy to do? And even when he has a primary assist, it's like, well, he didn't do anything. It's like, seriously, what more could he do in seven minutes? Yeah. You know, so. I, I, again, I, I'm most of the time I'm, I'm pretty fine with, with, with Greer getting, you know, lower minutes and, and having to earn his way up. But, you know, the, the, having a lineup like this, it, it should be an opportunity for some of the guys that you want to see break through next year. Yeah, you want to see guys like that with with big opportunities, but you also have 
kind of almost a necessity at this point to play your ice time like you've got three second lines like you don't want to have any one line that has a whole lot more or a whole lot less except for your misfit toy line um right and and even then the misfit toy line might look a whole lot different if you bring aj greer to the to the top instead of just kind of going okay ahl players go uh, have eight minutes yeah, that's basically what it is with Tony Otto, Borg, and Greer. Yeah, that's what it is. It's the AHL line that you want to pretend that you're not dressing that night. And well, I mean, I think at that point, you know, what you you're you're basically looking at Yakupov as a power play specialist, Bork as a PK specialist, and then I noticed uh, the other night that they they gave Toninato a shift or two um, with Miko and Gabe when they had a defensive zone uh, situation. So, you know, maybe maybe you swap Toninato in in certain situations on the other three lines. You just, you know, you play three lines, basically. You don't use the fourth as a line in itself. What's going to have to happen is, like, if, if you're going to do that, that much line juggling, there's going to be absolutely no chemistry anywhere. So, I mean, you already have a lot of your skill out of the lineup with, with no McKinnon, no Ranton, and no Andrew Ghetto spoilers, but you've... With, with that kind of lineup, there's going to not be a real high level of playmaking chemistry, so you're going to be looking at having to outwork for your goals on, on basically any any time you're looking to score. You're going to have to outlast and outwork to make that happen. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've and we've seen in each one of those lines score like that. I mean, you know, we, we've seen the, the shift with Carl and, and Nieto and, and Como. Um I forget exactly which game it was. It was very early in the in the streak, but they, you was know, it San Jose or was yeah. it Anaheim? I think it was one of those early games. Yeah, um, but it just, you know, they they, you know, they they turned around a game for the the Abs just by going nuts on the forecheck and keeping the puck in for like four minutes. Um, you know, you you get some shifts like that, and people start. You know, getting into it, I think that you know, I think that could kind of work. Of course, all this chatter could be for nothing, and Miguel Rantanen could start on Tuesday. We'd like to see that, yeah. So, also missing with no apparent, like, visible time frame that we know of, even though he was supposed to be back a couple of times by now, is one Sven Ghetto. He's probably weird. the most yeah. mysterious of what happened. I mean, we saw. At least with him, we saw what happened. We saw him crash into the boards. Um, so, so we can't. Ha- we kind of have an idea what the injury is. But yeah, it seems like he's had a couple setbacks. It seemed like they felt like it wasn't that serious to begin with. Then it seemed like they wanted him off the ice the entire week while they were gone, and and he was skating briefly before practice. So it's. So maybe he's progressing again, but it, just kind of from what Bednar said in the presser and just the fact that he didn't pre- practice even non-contact, you, you think maybe he's out for another week this week. Yeah. And that's, too, that's really too bad. Cause uh, <clears throat> he's a guy they really could use with Mac out. I mean, he generates shots at a, you know, and I'm talking shot attempts here at a, at a rate that's, actually pretty close to mckinnon if he Uh, was healthy i'd even maybe suggest putting him on that top line and then i guess that would mean miko's center (laughs) but (laughs) i know but i'd almost suggest going there yeah uh it's not like the team's gonna go to face-offs anyway miko's actually i think he's actually one of the better ones believe it or not (laughs) on the team (laughs) I choose I to not take it. as many, but I think he's closer to fifty percent than a lot of the others. I definitely choose not. Um, <laughs> I think the top four. I was looking this up the other day. Was um, and I might not have the order right, but it's Comfer, Landeskog, Grantonen, and Toninato are the four best face-off, and kind of by far. Wow, Como's not up there. <laughs> I'm sure we've yes. talked about this before, but I think McKinnon was one who got just slapped in the face by the new rule enforcement. I guess Como did too. Como was actually one of the better faceoff guys on the team last year. So, so yeah, those those are your four that you want to have taking draws, which 
two wingers and a rook and two rookies. So that's awesome. It would be very helpful to have Andrew Ghetto back right now, though. That's for sure, because there's there's just so many skill holes. And while he does produce a whole lot of shot attempts, he's also been he's he's had his shooting percentage this year kind of depressed. It's been you know on the lower end of the variance. He's should be scoring more than he does. That doesn't mean he's going to suddenly go on a tear and shoot 40% for for two weeks. It's not how that works, but he should be producing better than he is. Yeah, his, he's one of the few guys on the team that, that has a, a lower goals for than expected goals for. Um, I mean, like, noticeably. Right. And that's because he was shooting like 4.5% last time I checked. Yeah. Exactly. And it yeah, hasn't he's... changed because he hasn't played. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's definitely someone that you don't feel bad inserting into a, a top line. Not at all. No, no I mean, it, it, yeah, it's it's one of those things like this is this is when the Az really could have used him. But apparently that's not for us to have. That that middle tier forward depth with, that the Avalanche do have is is thin, but it's there. But if it gets taken out before the top line talent does, that's that's not nice. That's that's quite yeah. rude, universe. And I I would like as as payback for this that you at least explain what happened to Mark Barbario. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a complete mystery because. I swear he was at the morning skate in St. Louis because there's a picture and you could see the ugly blue seats they have there. So, you know, that that was that game. And <laughs> then all of a sudden he's not playing and he's not even on the ice. So I, I don't know. Did something happen in the morning skate? Did he just go out there to say hello? I don't. Nobody knows. He just. That day he just stopped playing and he's. <laughs> He wasn't even on well, the ice today, so. Well, and and we did see a, a heavy rap on his right ankle um, that so week. Yeah, they finally just decide to shut him down. Yeah, or you know maybe it was something that was. <clears throat> I'm thinking like like a logical thing that happened is like that was from a, a shot block, and then maybe in practice it hit right on that, and that then he was like, nah, can't go, <laughs> nah. Um, or did it have something to do with Barry coming back where they're like, okay, we can shut you down now? Well, then why would they do it a game early? I don't know. I mean, it's just... Yeah, I guess that's true. And they <clears throat> wouldn't think that way, but... No. And and even if they did, like you said, there's no reason they would give an attaboy game to Warsawski in the, in the middle of it. Right. Not that Warsawski yes. was terrible in that one game, but I'm, I'm not yeah. exactly sad that he went away. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I guess it's nice to know, like, you know, if the planet blows up, then we've got that going for us, which is nice. But, you do know, we? if the planet blows up, do we really <laughs> <laughs> didn't say which planet? <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, having I, I think having Barbario out is, you know, I, I think it's, I mean, we've we've seen through the year that when Barry's in the lineup, that the defensive usage gets really jumbled. And, you know, while we were on the streak and while Barry was out, um, they kind of got into a set pair kind of thing. Um, this is this is also something that, that I'm going to touch on tomorrow in, in my article. But, um, you know, like Eric Johnson has played 27 minutes all three games since Barry came back. And he only played 27 minutes or more four out of the 13 games when Barry was gone. And I I don't know... I don't know what that says, honestly, other than it's it's just odd. It's an odd side effect of having um, Barry back in the lineup. I think it's it's really bizarre. Trying to to play with multiple partners. Yeah. It's just... They they get so confused that they're just like, well, just... uh, EJ, you go out and we'll figure the rest out sometime. And but I, I just thought that was really weird. And I, I, you know, obviously they're on a ten-game win streak, so they're winning a lot. So they didn't have to play EJ all the time. But um, I just thought that was really weird that they would, you know, that that as soon as Barry comes back, he starts going over twenty-seven minutes a night again. You know, when when Barry was out and during the the streak, 
EJ only played 27 minutes or more four out of 13 games. So it's, I don't, I don't really know what that says other than it's really weird. And especially when a guy like Tyson Berry comes back, who plays a lot more than Mark Barberi, whose minutes he was basically replacing. Um, it just seems odd that, that that's sort of where the usage goes. So I'd, you know, I'm, I'm going to delve into this a little more uh, tonight, but it, it just doesn't make a lot of sense that somebody who comes back into the lineup and plays a lot more minutes makes another guy play a real lot more minutes. I don't know. My, what do you guys think on that? My theory on that, I think, is EJ's been splitting his partners again. Like he did when he when they were playing seven defensemen, he would split with Zadorov and Gerard mostly. And, yeah. And he's not playing with Gerard now, but that's my theory is I think he's splitting again. He's splitting with um, Zadorov and maybe one other person more because I noticed Gerard actually had three equal partners in the last game, which that in itself is crazy. It was Nemeth. Um, it was EJ. everybody but, yeah, no, it wasn't EJ. It was everybody but who he had been playing with. So that was Nemeth, Barry, and I think Sidorov. He had been playing with Lindholm during the streak, and he had played with EJ more during the seven defenseman period and when he first came to the team. So, yeah, Gerard basically played with three different partners, all of whom have not been regular partners for him. So, yeah, that that was a really weird game because also like the the um the pair with the most minutes was Z and EJ, and they had ten together, and then I think Lindholm and Barry had eight together, and then no one else was. I think everyone else is like around six minutes or less together, and that's just uh, you know it's just it, I, I mean that's just something that says to me that I mean I don't want to blame it on Barry just because I mean it's nice having Barry back. You know, he scores, but it just, it seems like he, he throws the defensive um, usage into chaos. Yeah, it just, see, I, I've said it even through the whole time he was out. It just, for whatever reason, it's more balanced when he's out. And it's not just like, oh, Barry sucks. Everyone's just better without Barry. It's just something about the way that they think of the defense and they just can't get the pairs right. Like, I actually like Lindholm with Barry, which that's a fine pair. And if Barbario could come back and play with Gerard, then maybe you'd have a good top six, but then that leaves Nemeth out, and they're not going to not play him. No. So, Got to play Nemeth every night. Well, you know, they are. <laughs> and so, so then that's... probably the odd one out is going to be Lindholm, which is okay, but... I guess then at that point you're trying Gerard and Barry again, which I'm fine with doing. But, but again, it's like when one yeah, guy just, goes it, out, it seems like you know if Barb's does come back, it's just going to be more chaos. It's it's you know I I really do think that that part of the success they had during that ten game streak, and again this isn't saying like see they didn't need Barry. It's just that they had they had set pairs that you know, pretty much worked. Yeah. And uh, they, they guys getting chemistry together. You know, it's like Z and EJ were, were generally the top two guys. Sometimes Nemeth would sneak up there if there was a lot of PK time. Um, but it, it just seemed like everyone had their role and everyone had it figured out. And there, there wasn't a lot of this just sort of going on the ice with random guys every, every shift. And so, of this three like depth guys. I like Barbario better than Nemeth and Lindholm, even though they all each kind of have their, their strengths. It was like something about Barbario calms Nemeth down. And I don't know what it is, but it's like without Barbario, Nemeth, it just short circuits. Yeah. It's just, I, I think they kind of play at the same speed. Um, You know, I, it might be a chemistry thing too. But it just, you know, they, they, they're trying to force the Nemeth Barry thing, just thinking like, you know, well, Barry's little and he moves the puck and he's offensive, so he must need a big guy with him. And, you know, that's, that's not how it works anymore. And then they've kind of transferred that to Nemeth Gerard, which yeah. I, 
I don't think that's great either. Well, it just it forces Sam on his offhand, and I don't think that's great for him. And <laughs> Nemeth can't Nemeth can't play the right side at all. So that's you know that's unfortunate. Yeah, and I'm and I'm not suggesting they need to like completely cater to Gerard, but when you're having your 19 year old playing on his offhand with three different defensive partners, maybe that's not setting him up for success. Yeah. I mean, it's, you, you have to figure out what role you want him to play. I mean, it's, you know, if you're putting him on his offhand with a guy that's slow and can't move the puck out of the zone, it you know, just, what are you doing there? So there was one other injury return that we kind of alluded to without really getting into so much, and that was Simeon Varlamov. Um, so he's back, and Jonathan Bernier is still slotted to start tomorrow. Um... I don't know if y'all care about that. I I think that it's probably best for them just to go every other game for a little while, honestly. I kind of thought Varley earned the start tomorrow. Um, and that's, you know, that's not saying that I want to see him more than I want to see Bernier at all. Uh, I just think, you know, just sort of, just just to back up what he did in Winnipeg, which I thought he had a, a, a fine game. I mean, you know, two of the goals were, you know, unstoppable. The other was an empty netter, so you know that that was basically it for him. Um, I, but it just you know just for getting him in front of the home fans again, and um, you know I, I think that that would be a little bit easier as far as a start. Um, you know, it's not back to back, but it's you know it's playing two games in a row. I, you know, I'm I'm fine with Bernier starting anyway, but um, it's I, I think it's interesting that they pick Bernier for the start and not Varley though. I I think I said yesterday or the other day I felt like Bernier was going to start this one. Um, I also agree Varley was not the issue in Winnipeg, so it's it's nothing about that. It's just I think I think he's built up so much credibility with the team, and he played well against San Jose when they won. And Ben Nurse said something about that, like kind of looking at how, how well they've done in the past and. And who's hot? And you know, I I guess if they would have won that Winnipeg game, maybe Varley starts again. And and you bring up a good point about um, playing at home, so that could be kind of something. But I think I think you might be seeing a little bit of changing of the guards. Like I felt like um, Coma was on the radio earlier today, and they were asking him how good is it that Varlamov's finally back. And he said, well, it's great to see him back. And then he really went on to compliment Bernier, too. And I felt like that was kind of an interesting um, yeah. way that he answered that question. Well, so. I, th- I mean, I, I, I definitely think that's, I, I don't know if they're trying to make a statement with this game. But, I mean, it definitely says to me that, you know, Varley's not the number one. Yeah, I don't think he's the number one. No, I agree with that. And then with the back-to-back coming up, which I'm sure we'll get into um, in a little bit, I I think they both will see starts there. I I, def, I think Varley's going to start the Carolina game because that's the one he had the whatever 60 saves or whatever crazy it was. I'd be really surprised if he doesn't start that one. And then um, Bernier starts the Buffalo game. So I guess... The one this week up for grabs would then be the St. Louis game, which might depend on how the uh, the game against San Jose goes. That's true. Maybe they want to see Bernier bounce back from you know he's he has he definitely had a little bit of a drop off after the streak ended, and it wasn't all him, obviously. But you know, it's like his save percentage went from pretty much straight ninety sixes across the board and. Got down to nine thirty, nine twenty, and then the last one was not quite there. So yeah, so I think if he wins this game against San Jose, he's going to play St. Louis. Then Varley will just get the one this weekend. Bernier will get the second one. If he doesn't yeah. win, then I think Varley will get St. Louis. He'll get Carolina. Then Bernier will get Buffalo. So I think it'll go. And this is something we've we've talked about that. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting when Varley comes back and see, you know, what they do with the goalie, who's number one, and, you know, whether they do it sort of Patrick Waugh style game by game or whether it's going to be someone wins a number one job. 
Yeah, it will be interesting to see at the end of this if if one of them really takes it because I do think for the first time in a long, long time that it truly is up for grabs at this point. I don't really think it necessarily says anything about whether they still see Varlamov as the number one. They could just be wanting to kind of ease him back in from being out with an injury for a while. I think it's more performance-related rather than just you know, rest and caution, I think. And, and like I said, it wasn't because he played bad in Winnipeg, but I, th- I think it's more about giving the respect to Bernier that he, he needs another start and not to wait until the weekend for it. Yeah, I, I wrote after last game that, you know, I wouldn't be, you know, if, if Varley gets the game against San Jose at home, I wouldn't be surprised. But I think it's important that Bernier plays soon like you you don't want either of them getting cold but i think you especially don't want bernier getting cold and because i think this is the first time that they're approaching it like that like before in the past it was always like well okay when varley's good to go varley's good to go and i think this is the first time where it's like well let's see how this goes so i guess we should probably go ahead and deliver that final update on vladislav Kamenev. Because people are interested in what's in, in his recovery from his alarmingly broken arm. How's Kamenev looking? Well, he's in San Antonio and he's practicing in a non-contact jersey with the team. Um, and I think he you know, actually practiced, right? Like not just skate around, but it, yeah, he was like actually the last in a practice. Yeah, week he was practicing. So, and then Veyu said. He didn't say specific names. He's talking about getting some injured guys back during the road trip, and they don't have have many to choose from. Let's just say so. <laughs> there were only so yeah. many guys he was speaking of. And he it, said it guys was, plural. One would be Jordan Schmaltz, the Blues prospect. Yeah. Um, the other would be someone we're not going to talk about, and the third would be Kamenev. Yeah, and and that person we won't speak of has not been on the ice yet, so. So it's not just optimistic hope that he's talking about him. And I heard him. he has been on the ice. No, oh, I think he was just working out. Oh, okay. Not on the ice. Um, but <laughs> but if you're wondering that... about Kamenev, he's doing great, and he should be back. Oh, who knows? We could <laughs> I, well, He's doing he great. Practice. He'll be back sometime. <laughs> <laughs> I think he'll play this month. If he can practice, like, he's obviously going to have to get clear contact, but... Yeah. Um, I would say by the middle of this month, I think he could play for San Antonio. And, and I think it does put him on track to be an option after the deadline, which would be nice. I, I think even could... before. I, I think they want to get him before the deadline. <clears throat> to um, the Avs? Yeah. I, I think I... they want to get him two or three games, from, you know, whatever. It could be even one. If he looks good in one, they're going to be like, okay, come on up. I'm just worried yeah. about the uh, conditioning at that point. Um, well, I mean, he's going to have to play for San Antonio and see how it goes. And, and yeah. it depends. Like, um, he's got his road, legs. Yeah, you know? They're on, they're on this road trip, so they're playing a lot more than just kind of like on the weekend, which they do more at home. So they're they're going to have a lot more mid- midweek games. So Yeah, they have know. five games in seven days starting tomorrow. Yeah, or so, Wednesday. Might be so tomorrow when you hear this. If it's it's possible he could play in a midweek game and then the Avs could want him or they could want to see him over over a week, which he could get in, like you said, four or five games. And um, I think it is going to be something to think about at the deadline to, um, to have a spot for him. And I guess it, it's going to depend on injuries, you know, if Andrew Ghetto never recovers, if McKinnon's more in the four-plus range. But if all those guys come back, I think Kamen is somebody that they actively will want a spot for if he's healthy because they, they really want to see what they have in him, which I think they need to. So they have any idea of what some of these young guys can do in bigger roles going into but next yeah, I th- year. I think they wanted him on the team. I, I think they when, as soon as they traded for him, they wanted him with the Avs. Yeah, yeah. You know, no, I agree he, with that. He couldn't go to Sweden because of various reasons, but... Um. <clears throat> You know, I, I think they're dying to get him up with the Avs. And I I just, I you know, it's it's not something we need to speculate about now, but 
just sort of what does you know what what role can he fill that would let the front office feel comfortable about trading someone else you know it's like, like who on. does he replace it, it could be you know it could be matt nieto i don't i mean it's like we don't we know so little about his game it's so hard to say who he could replace at this point oh so. i don't i don't particularly care who he replaces in the lineup you can <laughs> shift guys up i'm just saying that you said trade someone i wanted to clarify yeah. that immediately <laughs> blake homo <Yeah. laughs> just trade Como. a different someone's but yeah yeah, I, I think they need to get comfortable with the thought of they can live without somebody. They have plenty of options. Like, like oh. they're, they're living right now using some of their depth, which I think they're doing okay. And I guess we'll see in the next week or so. But they can live for 40 days for the rest of the season without Blake Como or Matt Nieto or whoever. They can do it. It's okay. This is not the only time that you're going to be a couple Nelly points in the playoff spot. Uh, yeah, I think, could go game, <laughs> I think they could go game without playing Nail Yakupov. I think I they wonder. could. I, I think they could live without playing Gabriel Borg <laughs> at two. Um, he's fine as the 13th guy. I would like to see him maybe not dress every game. The uh, the new Discord codec is not happy with you right now. <laughs> I noticed that. So, um, that's the whole list of guys in the sick bay. For, that was a lot of injury talk. That was yeah. that was an extraordinary amount of injury talk, and we kind of knew that going in. But damn, yeah, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of moving parts. Yeah. Well, it's and, tough just because, you know, when they're on the road, like, you know, we, we've, we've been at home for so long and they finally go off and play all these road games. And now we're finally getting a, a bit of a handle on where guys are at. Yeah, it's just unfortunate that it, that it happened. I mean, because the Avalanche have been so much better at home than they have on the road that it's, it's unfortunate that they're going to do this road trip, like the series of road trips against beatable teams with a, a B roster. That's just it's really unfortunate for. Um, the direction the season is going, but maybe it does, like like you kind of mentioned, inspire them to be more of a seller at the deadline and try to get some assets for a rental of Blake Como. Try to get some assets for maybe a guy like uh, like Nieto or Barbario if he can ever get over his mystery injury. Or um, I don't know. I feel like I'm monotoning here, but like yeah, I mean, I, I think it's... replaceable names here. Yeah, and that's you know I, I think that's really key to their decisions that they you know it I, I hate that max out but it, it's you know it's it's giving the staff an opportunity to take a look at some guys and maybe see yeah. who's expendable. Any team's gonna suffer when you take a a guy of McKinnon's caliber in the season he's having out. It's just you can't you can't overcome that so it doesn't speak to the quality of their replacements it's just it is what it is and the thing is you know it's like say kerfoot you know say he he sort of you know he he gets good with it um you know he's he's not going to replace mac but you know he does a fair job centering that top line for a couple of weeks when he goes back to his day job you know he's going to be that much better so, you know, I think we've all been waiting for him to sort of, you know, be ready to, to step into the sort of second scoring line that we really haven't had all year. Yeah, I don't mind the, the kind of the, the silver lining to it is, is the opportunity for others. Yeah. And, and hopefully that extends, like we, we were saying, to guys like Greer, Toninato, maybe play a little bit more, things like that. Jost and Comfer maybe playing more offensive roles, so. They will be right. better in the long run for it, even if it, it hurts them right now. Yeah, definitely need to temper the expectations for now and not get too salty when the goals for totals aren't as high as you as you want because you're missing the uh, tied for number three goal, uh, point scorer in the league in Nathan McKinnon and the tied for number 22 point scorer, is it 23? 22 in uh, Miko Rantanen. Is Max wow. still third in the league? He's still yeah, third in the league. It goes after Nikita missing Kuch- three games for two and a half. It, it goes Nikita Kucherov 66, Phil Kessel 63, which I didn't know that. 
And then Phil! Nathan McKinnon and Jacob. Jacob? Is he decided it's Jacob Voracek? I can never remember I if he decided Jake to go by now. Jacob or Jakob. Um, but they both have 61. And But then Malkin and Stamkos <clears throat> are right there with 60 apiece. And 59 is yeah. Johnny Hockey. You know, I mean, he's going to get passed by a bunch of those guys, and it's, you know, it's going to be ultra hard to make up unless they have similar injuries. But, you know, we, we know where he was at at one point. So <sighs> he can just score two points a game again. Just McKinnon things. Yeah. He can do it. We've seen it. I think we've talked about every single player on the roster except for one. Who's that? Any guesses? Uh, Your favorite uh, Russian defenseman, not named Nikita? Is, is it Zakita Nadorov? Oh. <laughs> the guy that doesn't play. <laughs> yeah. Do you think Andre Miranov gets a game on this trip? And, I, I and yes, not. I am including a home game on Tuesday as part of the trip because it's a one-game <laughs> stop. It is. I think they even made a joke today. Like it is kind of like a road game. You're only playing one, one game, one game stop. homestand. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I don't know. Like uh, I think he kind of is up to be the warm body, kind of how Warsawski and and Duncan was earlier. I don't think they really want to play him, but his situation is still kind of unique. Where I think. They still want to try to act like he has an opportunity and who knows, maybe some things were said how long he was going to stay in San Antonio. And and it's tough because um, he is just like the extra guy and it really shouldn't be like this much conversation about a guy that's just kind of an extra. But I, I think there was a lot of hope put into what he could do and, and maybe there still is hope of what he could bring to the team if he just gets more comfortable. And I think um, we we kind of feel like we've seen enough in San Antonio and that um, we're kind of getting into the what are they going to do with him territory rather than what what can he do for the Avs territory. Yeah, I mean uh... – one injury we didn't touch on was that Big Z went into the boards really hard in, in Winnipeg and missed the last eight minutes of that game. <clears throat> um, but he was at practice today, and by all accounts, there's nothing wrong there, which is you know fantastic news. Um, you know, lo- losing McKinnon and Big Z at the same time that would that would that would be a little bit cruel. Um, but that would have been an opportunity that they probably would have had to play Miranov. And, uh, you know, I, I really wasn't impressed with him, uh, especially over his last five, 10 games in San Antonio, just because, you know, he, he looked like he was playing for, for Miro and, and not for the team. And I, I, I get sort of where he might be thinking, you know, he came over to play in the NHL and he doesn't want to be in the AHL and stuff like that. But if, you know, if learning your craft down in the AHL is, is not something you're interested in, then that's sort of an anti-team kind of attitude that I'm not real, <clears throat> not, not real stoked about. I also um, feel like the ceiling just isn't as high as maybe um, he was kind of, I don't know, maybe folks were hoping or he was kind of projected to have it. He's not like this top four guy that's just going to get it all of a sudden. Like his Yeah, he's 23 years old. I mean, he's pretty close to what he is. And it's not just like he needs to get comfortable and, and things, like that, things like that. We we saw him in the World Championships kind of play the similar game. And um, as far as him playing, I wouldn't mind it. I, I kind of. If only I, to show people why they don't want to root for it. Um, you know i get tired of lindholm and so i wouldn't it wouldn't break my heart if lindholm didn't play one game and who knows let's 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 try another guy with gerard and see if they can find magic there i yeah i felt a little bit more strong about that before kind of watching him 
he, he yeah i mean San he's Antonio. only played 10 games in the nhl and he's played 22 in the ahl and i think most of those 22 ahl games have come since he probably i i, I don't know how many nhl games he's played since he went down to the ahl for the first time um it's maybe probably only one two or, or, one or two yeah yeah so you know and maybe I, they should get a look and just sort of see you know where he's at and and maybe you know, I, I doubt he's going to play the way he did in San Antonio up with the in the in the NHL. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> so he'll be a little bit more conscientious, but right. Um, he's, but he's still Miro, and that, that's a yeah. lot of words on on Miro. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it is it, it is kind of like the yeah. I mean, like I said, it it doesn't matter because he's the extra guy, and it and those guys are just so unimportant but at the same time he signed for next year so this isn't going away like yeah they've, they've got to figure out what Nero yeah is, exactly it's gonna be a legitimate question and it is a legitimate question that they give him a game because you know Warsawski they can just call up and sit him around and, and not do anything but Mironov is you know they have any interest in him as an option, he's going to play at some point. So it, it will be really interesting to see if if he plays at all or if even they've kind of given up. Okay, so um, let's, should we go ahead and jump into next week? Let's do yes. it. Four games on the ticket next week. So I'm, I'm not sure whether next week's show will be a day early or a day late. But we will not be able to keep a normal schedule. I don't think. We'll 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 see. I'll keep y'all posted. Uh, starting on Tuesday, the San Jose Sharks are back in Denver. It's a seven o'clock Mountain start. Then the Abs head eastward on Thursday. It's a six o'clock Mountain start in St. Louis against the Stupid Blues. Followed by a weekend back to back. Saturday at six Mountain in Carolina, and then Sunday five o'clock Mountain against the Buffalo Sabers. Saturday will be on altitude two. The Ocho and all others are on altitude original. The Hurricanes are on the Ocho? Yeah. <clears throat> I can't watch that game anyway, so... Yeah, you'll, be, you'll, be, you'll be blacked out anyway. I will be blacked out for that game. Um, um, I say they need four points. I, you, would, you would hope that they could beat Carolina and Buffalo. They really have to be Buffalo. They really have to. You cannot lose twice to Buffalo. Kill me. We have to call 877 um, goal now. <laughs> yeah. And can I just clarify that it's goal now, not goals now? Because goals now is eight fucking letters. If you do it that way, what you accidentally d dial is 877 goals no, and that's not going to work for me. <laughs> yeah, so make sure you get that W in there. It's goal now, singular. Um, um, yes, it, if there's one game that I desperately need them to win, it's that Buffalo game. I mean, in, in reality, them beating... St. Louis or San Jose is probably more important. Yeah, I mean, they, they've got to beat St. Louis at some point, you know, and it's like this is the least likely time that they would, you know, missing McKinnon and whatnot. So <laughs> it's. I mean, that's what it's going to happen. Probably, One or nothing, nothing shutout. In the shutout. One to nothing in the yeah. shootout. That's what's going to happen. I guess I do like the fact that they just played there and things tend, yeah. tend to trend towards a split if you play a team. Um, pretty close. Spoiler alert, probably not going to be a good one against Edmonton next time, but we'll worry about that in the coming week. Um, but... Don't predict that. <laughs> um, well, just uh, to sort of, you know, to, to maintain where they, you know, where their points percentage has been to get them... Um, and I, I, I'm not making the playoffs the be-all, end-all, but I think it's important that they, you know, since they are competitive, that they stay competitive just for a team morale standpoint. Um, you know, whether they ultimately end up making the playoffs doesn't, you know, doesn't, doesn't make a huge difference to me. I'd love to see it, but, you know, I, I, I like to see them competing for this, and I, I know that they're very into it, so I, I, I want to see them sort of stay in that mix, you know, with, with Dallas and Minnesota and Anaheim and Calgary, you know, they've got about six or seven teams that are vying for two spots now. And I, I just think that that makes for a really good team atmosphere and, and sort of a good preparation going into next season. So, 
you know, I really think they need three wins out of this week. I think they can pull it off. I'm just not – I'm not sure. I mean, they, they obviously should beat Carolina and Buffalo, even though they struggle mightily with teams like Carolina. They do tend Uh-oh. to win that game, though. Like, yeah, I know they're going to give up so. I mean, they're going to give up so many shots in that game. But exactly. and and Carolina has had some massive, massive problems this week with their coach calling out the GM for doing nothing with his terrible roster and everything. So <laughs> yeah, that's that's something else. I wish yeah, they had time for that. Fun, I think. And yep. yet they are one point out of a playoff spot. Yeah. Like, you know who. Yep. So you know who. Uh, uh Colorado. Does it does it rhyme <laughs> does it rhyme with Molorado? Perhaps. <laughs> but so I, um, I find that kind of funny, but I guess whatever whatever galvanizes the the herd. I mean that's also yeah. in the east where the playoffs are like three points lower than they are in this in the West. Because the central yeah. is so goddamn good. Exactly, you know, and I, I, I'm not impressed that much with San Jose, really. I mean, I know they came back and sort of made it look exciting during the streak and whatnot, but uh, you know, they really weren't that close in that game. Yeah, um, I'm a little worried. Just the same kind of you get so many cracks at a team, kind of thing, but. They're going to be playing so differently, though. I mean, it's like, you know, you, you yeah. that's the one thing the Avs kind of have is like everyone's like, okay, we got to shut down McKinnon, and now you got no McKinnon. So what what are these guys going to do? We don't know what they're going to do. So it may not be that great, but it's, you know, it's unexpected. It would be nice for them to win that game just to kind of keep the home momentum going. Yeah. Um, it that's just the only home game this, this month, so. Yeah, feel confident. <laughs> And San Jose is the one team that they're legitimately chasing. They're not yeah. really chasing St. Louis. Um, but but it would be big for them to, to win that game on the road in St. Louis, though, because they, they usually do not play well there, and that would be a big win for them. So It would be uh, a really absy week if they beat San Jose, St. Louis, and Carolina, and then lost to Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I was – yeah. <laughs> it would still be a good week, but yeah, that yeah <laughs> wouldn't leave a great. That that team. would be nine points in seven games since losing McKinnon, and, and that's basically be... they're they're on a one point two per game pace, and that that's that's really close. And you'd be pissed, yeah, because they lost to Buffalo. Um, I think I'm predicting five points this week. I would have, but I like six better. It's my favorite number. I also like six better, but we're going to go with five because I, I think that San Jose game looks like another draw because Colorado are good at home, but it's looking like a struggle game. So it's really hard to call that a win. I think they're more likely to, to drop that one three on three than anything else. And then uh, then the, the they should they should take the back-to-back. I don't think those – I think they should take the back-to-back. Ta-da! Yeah, I'm, I'm going to st- – Stick with four, I think. I think if they just tread water during this point, maybe they can kind of to surge. Uh, maybe the end of end of this month, going in, going into next month. I I actually think this month's going to be harder than next month. Even though on paper March, the opponents they play looks pretty hellacious, but I think, I think in true Avs fashion, they're gonna <clears throat> kind of. Come on, they got all the garbage. Western Canada teams again next week. Oh, that's that's not going to be pretty. No, no. <laughs> that, that's the following week because next week is actually yeah. a home game on Wednesday against Montreal, and that's where I think we see one Nathan McKinnon. But not to get too far ahead of ourselves. Wow, that might be a little early for me. Yeah, I don't disagree, yeah, but, but I'm not saying that that might not happen. It's. If it's not that game, it'll be the home matinee against Edmonton. But I think you might look at Montreal. Um, so keep an eye on this space because you're going to see at some point in the near future a uh, draft prospect podcast go live um, with uh, Jackie and Rudo. And uh, did that have Nathan Chapman on? Yes. So with, with them. Um, and we're also cooking up something fun for the trade deadline. So keep an eye on... Uh, on what's going to happen happen with us there. Whether it's four, five, six, zero, or eight points this week, 
As always, you know, you can find out here. You can follow the show on SoundCloud at SoundCloud.com slash Burgundy Radio. And on MixCloud at MixCloud.com slash Burgundy Radio, you can subscribe to the RSS feed in your favorite podcatcher. We are in the Google Play Music Area Store Marketplace Shelf. We are in iTunes and uh, etc. So, four games, two on the weekend. We might release um, on Sunday. We might release on late Monday. We might release on Tuesday. I don't know. I'll, I'll keep you posted on Twitter at Burgundy Radio. But until then, keep your head up, get to the dirty areas, and we will see you someday next week. Barry's a great pastor. He's just a, you know, he just Hello? doesn't make pie. God damn it. That explains it. <laughs> what? I thought y'all were just talking over me. <laughs> no. We're not ignoring you. I've been here no. for like 10 minutes just typing. <laughs> we couldn't hear. I couldn't at least. Yeah, I No, I it. couldn't. I, I fixed it by hanging up and reconnecting.